0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? Drake here, and I may seem sold today, but we have a very special treat for you. Last year, we started the State of the FS Union, where we bring on different FSU personalities, members of the beat, former players to come on and give their thoughts of how the season went and where they feel their program is moving forward as a whole. And today, we're joined by the first guest of last year's State of the FS Union will be the first one for this year as well. Mr. Trey Roland of the Triple Option and the former host of the Rollcast. It'll be me, Dave, Max, and Trey sitting down talking about how we feel about the State of the FS Union, Coach Mike Norvell, and how he feels moving forward going to what will be season three, year three, or year two, depending on who you're asking. But for those of you that you don't know, thank you all so much for the love and support each and every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Seminoles your first listen each and every day. And as always, go Knowles. And you know what? Let's head on right to the interview, part one of State of the FS Union with Mr. Trey Rowland. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles, but a very special edition. And actually, I haven't said special edition in a while. I've gotten good at varying my lexicon, so today really is special. We are joined by the man, the stash, the legend, although it's negative 20 in Iowa, so he's had to grow the full beard and to come around the Burt Reynolds stash. It's Mr. Trey Roland of Rollcast fame, now with Tomahawk Nation doing X's and Nolls film breakdowns that y'all should watch every week learn a thing or two about football from two guys that know a lot about football and Trey Roland. So Trey, we are so happy to have you on the show, man. Thank you for joining us. How you been? How's Iowa? How's I'm the doing good. region north? I'm doing okay. It's a bit,
2: it's a bit chilly. Uh, the beard helps, but no, I'm doing great guys. It's great to be back. You guys are flourishing. Uh, obviously the returns from your show is good. I can see Drake's very large baby Yoda pillow. Uh, that just screams money. So obviously right. everybody's doing good. You have a like rich mahogany paint behind you, Max and David, you, you do look a little destitute, but you know what? I know. I know you're making good. That looks like a nice microphone at least. So I think we're all doing good going into 2022 feeling like a million bucks. I'm glad to be back with you guys. You do a top notch program.
1: Thanks, man. We appreciate it. And for those of y'all that didn't join last year and are here for this year, this is our series, the state of the FS union, where we take people like Trey who are learned doctors of Florida State football, or at least the Florida State Strip. And uh, they tell us how they're feeling about where the program is, where it's headed, and, you know, we mix in some random questions. But, guys, I'm going to turn this one over to y'all. Drizzy, this was sort of your brainchild, your baby. So how do you want to kick this off with Trey? What do you want to know from him first and foremost as we dive in?
0: So I kind of want to ask Trey right now, Uh where does – what do you think right now is actually probably the state of the FSU football program as a whole? Now that we've had early signing day has happened, the season is over. I think you had a little more loftier expectations heading into the year. I kind of want to know, like, overall, like, how do you feel going into the offseason about FSU under Coach Mike Norvell?
2: It's a mixed bag, to be quite honest with you. There have been some things that were positive. Um, there've been There have been some things that are negative. There's been some things, you know, you, you, look at the, I'm sure we'll probably get into all the fun that was the early signing period, that very memorable experience. Um, <laughs> so there's been some bad and there's been some good. Um, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to put like, if I had to put like a, like a numerical rating on where I think the program's at, um, I, there are some things that are concerning. I really think that if you would have asked me about like a month six weeks ago, like maybe after the last game of the season, after that UF game, how much importance I'm putting on the 2023 on field results based on some of the things that I'm seeing, some of the positions that haven't been vacated yet. Some of the open positions we can't get filled. Um, There are some things that are concerning to me where I'm putting a lot of importance on this. uh I said 2023 this 2022 football season. Um, there's going to have to be some sizable, there's going to have to be some sizable improvement more so than I thought before uh, for Mike Norvell to keep this thing going, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And that was something we'd said, right. Is like him losing the signing class he had. And again, it wasn't just Travis Hunter like that. That sucked, but no one's ever won a national championship because of their safety. Right. It's just, it's not how, like, it's just one player, well, you know, Charles, yeah, you know, but it was the whiff at wide receiver, right? Signing literally zero of them. And I know we've made it up in the portal, but like, that's just a different thing. And frankly, we probably would have done that anyway. Now, fortunately that kid went over to Jackson state as well, not Miami. Um, right. but it was the lack of addressing linebackers. The, in my opinion, uninspired promotion of, uh, you know, Randy Shannon. And it's like, I kind of felt like, okay, that's just going to solidify the linebacker spot and he gets none of them. So it's a lot of stuff within that signing day that I think maybe doesn't make me pessimistic about the program, but does make me say, okay, well, you're not showing me on the trail now. Now I got to see it on the field and hopefully that will bring the trail. But let's kind of recap last season. Now that you've had time to digest, you've had time to throw things and kick things and yell vulgar obscenities about the result of the final game, which like always hurts. How do you feel about the season as a whole? Like, just, do do you feel like it was a step in the right direction? Do you feel like it was just kind of a standstill? Or do you feel like some of the things, you know, maybe were a bit of a step backwards?
2: To me, I mean, if you compare 20 to 2021, it was clearly like it was a step forward in terms of performance. To me, I think the story of the 2021 season is wasted opportunity. And it's all week two, Jacksonville State, right? Like, that's the one... Mike Norvell's tenure at Florida State has been defined by like seminal moments, and unfortunately, they've been negative seminal moments. You have the Travis Hunter recruitment that you alluded to, and that just that just sucks, man. You got cold cocked by like the NIL and just like an unprecedented event. However, it's still connected to you, and it's connected to the program. Jackson, Jacksonville state thing. That's, that's another seminal negative thing that's going to be tied to Mike Norvell forever. So to me, there were multiple tangible things, especially to the middle and the back half of the season where Florida state really started to coalesce, form an identity. Jordan Travis played really, really well, particularly like the last like four or five games of the season to where I'm, I'm positive on him being your starting quarterback next year. There's something to build around. Now, obviously there's a caveat of keeping him healthy yeah. Um, and you're bringing in a lot of the pieces that should be able to help him do that. So uh, like on the, like on the field, I feel like there was more positive than negative. Obviously people are going to remember Jacksonville as Well, they should, it's extremely embarrassing. It sucked really bad. It's maybe the worst loss in program history. You're going to remember it forever,
1: yeah. but there was a lot mess, of positive. You didn't make things. a bowl game because of it, right? Like, yep. yeah, exactly. Much-
2: you, you didn't make the bowl game momentum kind of stopped in its tracks. As you can see, to me, the thing that's really been concerning to me is what's going on off the field right now. There doesn't seem to be staff change at the moment. Now that like everything's subject to change, you know, these, you know, these, these, these shows are sometimes like temporary. I could be, I could prove proven wrong tomorrow, but yeah. the, the chain, the, the, the continuity that they're saying, which I really think seems to probably be continuity due to lack of options uh, is really concerning for me because the only reason that I don't think you could get better options than your underperforming wide receivers coach. And some of the other things on the staff is because other coaches are kind of reading the tea leaves and they perceive to be Mike Norvell to kind of be a dead man walking right now. Now, in my opinion, that perception is a little bit inaccurate. I think he's actually got more rope with the Florida state administration and Michael Alford, the new AD, than people think. However, you're starting to have a perception problem. So in no way do I think that Mike Norvell is a lame duck right now. But he's dealing with some of the problems that a lame duck coach would have to. Like you're not you're having trouble. You have more money. There's being more money dedicated to these positions. You still can't fill them, right? Mm-hmm. And with the wide receiver coach, it's alarming to me because you could have you can go two routes on that. You can just hire a new wide receiver coach. Chances are they'd be better than the guy you have right now. Sorry, Ron. You know, Florida State alum. Love you, bro. Great sorry. player. No, but you care. also you could you could also hire a running back coach and move David Johnson wide receiver. So you actually have. Agreed. A running back. So you actually even have more options and you're not filling them right now. Now, is that because other coaches are like, eh, I don't, I don't think this guy is going to be it. It it sucks because he's dealing with, and then of course there's the back office. There's a general manager spot that's not been filled. Um, and that's not due to pay. Could that be because that general manager doesn't want to work with some of the back office guys you have right now that for some reason you've tied yourself to after that kind of disastrous signing period? I don't know, but. The, the more concerning thing that I'm seeing right now is not being able to fill out your staff with actually having resources that are available to it. So, as I said before, he's not a lame duck, but are these like tangential things that a lame duck would have to deal with? Is that going to actually turn him into one? Is it going to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy? Now caveat to all this, the dude wins on the field. You win like seven or eight games next year. You get the momentum back. Like it, it really is. It's something that could be forgotten about quickly. It's just now I think the the picture of Mike Norvell not being the guy is starting to become a little more clear. Like, I don't think Mike Norvell is in a death knell right now or anything like that. Unfortunately, his margin for error is, is zero. Right. There can't be right. any Jacksonville States. He's just – he's made his job harder on himself. Now, things out of his control, COVID, just the – the shit bomb of like a mess that he was left after like Willie Taggart. There's a lot. Mike Norvell's in a tough situation. Not all 100 of his doing, but I mean, he he played a pretty decently sized part in it himself. So we're we're in a very um we're in a very critical inflection point for the program, in my opinion. And there's a lot like he needs to push all in, all in on winning games this year because if he doesn't, they may not fire him after 2022. But in my opinion, right. his tenure would effectively be over after another four or five-win season.
0: What's going on, guys? Drake here. Sorry to take it away from the wonderful interview with Mr. Trey Rowland, but we will be remiss here if we can talk about our friends over at NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Damn it, I hate when that happens. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software to see the full picture? need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system for it to power your growth. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those rates upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. That's slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash locked. it's interesting though to hear you say that you think he has more rope with the administration than some people might think because you know it's funny you look across the country we have impatient fans you look at like mel tucker and dave aranda and they've done some winning at those programs pretty quickly and there have been some good things that have happened at florida state we had a big win over unc we beat the hell out of miami uh but like you said there have been a lot of issues. So. I've been calling this a put up or shut up year for Mike Norvell. Is it not yes. a put up or shut up year? And what exactly does that mean to you?
2: I agree with you 100%. And I think it's a, a my put up or shut up definition is that the time of talking about potential and a right. lot of the organizational and a lot of the kind of they're not soft factors because they're very important for a program and they're the reason why, like Willie Taggart's downfall happened so quickly, right? Mm-hmm like all the organizational back office stuff. But this is a time where that stuff doesn't matter anymore. You have to actually show it on the field to preserve yourself. So you're right. Um, You're right, Dave, as far as like, and I don't know if our fan base is any more impatient than any other one. However, perception wise to the national, to the national media, Florida state fired their last head coach after 21 games. So Florida state is perceived as a quick trigger as a quick trigger program. When in reality, because we had such a quick trigger, we actually can't do that again. We can't, we can't afford to, like, we need this guy to work out. So that's just another, that's, that's just a perception issue, in my opinion. And it's, it, I think it's causing Mike a lot more troubles than a guy with the type of network and the pedigree for being able to fill vacant coaching positions. He's having more trouble than anybody would expect. And I think that's the reason why. So to me, put up or shut up is where it's, you got a lot of nuanced people like you guys, myself. We're really right. trying to have an even-keeled perspective on this, but it's getting to the point where there needs to be real tangible on-field stuff. because
1: It's you getting know, hard. Things, you, you can only you say sell he's hype a anymore, good guy, but he yeah. was drunk at that party so many times, right? Like, right, right. There's only so many times where it's like, oh, you just got to <laughs> get to know him. It's like, well, maybe – Or maybe he just has a drinking problem and needs to stop doing that. Yeah, he's
2: just Jaeger bad reaction. Yeah, it's just, come on. If tequila's
0: not his, you know, his bread and butter, don't feed him tequila.
1: I want to touch on the coaching staff changes because I think that Mike Norvell's perceived greatest asset of being the guy that always has a plan for everything has become his greatest undoing in a lot of ways. And I look at the coaching staff in this light. I think he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. He doesn't want to get rid of... Um, Ron Dugans until he has the replacement, right? Or until if he's going to move Johnson over, he's going to have someone to replace him. But I think all the perception issues we're talking about against amongst uh, potential hires go out the window when Mike just decides to pull the ripcord and fire him, because that could be seen as a coach saying, Hey, I'm committed to winning next year. So I don't get my whole staff fired. So I yeah. wonder if like playing this kind of patty cake game of, cause like, when are you going to do it? Like, are you going to call him in like, are you, you guys probably talk every day. Like, are you just, are you just having casual conversation with him knowing that maybe in two weeks you're going to fire him? It's like, dude, just make up your mind here. Like, don't worry about the backup plan. If you think he sucks, fire him. And if you think he's the guy, extend him. Like, just the only
2: caveat, the only caveat to that, in my opinion, would be whatever the expiration date of his contract is. Mm -hmm. I think it's January 21st. So, are you okay. letting it expire now? If you get the extension, then the whole thing's out the window. To me, that's a, that's the sign of a guy going. Listen, whatever. I didn't even hire the guy in the first place. I retained him. I'm stuck with him. I just feel like Mike's like a guy in the trenches, right? Like he's got his core group of dudes. He's got Woodson. He's got Atkins. He's got uh, he's got Thompson to some degree. That's somebody that he really trusts. I don't even know if I put Adam Fuller, but you could see he's got this like core group of four dudes. And I feel like he thinks that he can outwork all of his problems because the guy is like—you've seen him in picks. Yeah, he looks like a haggard mess sometimes. Like he's got like this he's skinny, oh, but he kind of got the puff face going on. And the guy's working himself to death. You got the transfer portal, which is now primarily taking a time where coaches could go fishing or go wakeboarding or whatever weirdo <laughs> shit that like psychotic coaches do, right? To blow off steam. I don't know, like Jimbo, probably like hunts, like rare elk or something like they've all got some <laughs> weird bite or something shooting like bighorn cape tape Buffalo. But now with the transfer portal, you can't do that anymore. You got that. Cause the time when that was traditionally a break time is the time when you recruit kids and Mike Norvell has had a hard time of it on, not overall with high school recruiting. There were some, there were some bright spots from this past class, but because it's an uneven class, Instead of relying on five transfers, now you're relying on trying to get like ten transfers, right? Yep. So he's working, 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 and he's working with his guys, and he, and he, I feel like he thinks that he can just outwork at least until this year. He has to know that this is a massive prove it year, and like I said, it's just it's, it's 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 slimming the margin for error while also limiting the ceiling, right? You you're so worried about keeping your job that your focus is almost too tactical and short-term. Yeah. Whereas, like, listen, I'll keep Ron. He's got a good relationship with kid A, B, C, and D, and we'll deal with it afterwards. Where in reality, like, if you really want the program to go the way you want it to go, um, you got to get this guy out. He's not doing shit anymore. So it's right. just – it's, it's, it's kind of like what you saw happen to, like, Willie, man. Sometimes you – you have this plan and you go through and then because it's such a results-oriented business there's no way he thought he was only winning three and five games his first two years where it, it changes his his plan might have changed so i don't know and one thing i do want to look at is he made a lot of coaching uh changes at memphis but i don't know how many people he actually fired those were all like like a chris marv deal like yeah. you know they get promoted to another they job. get promoted chris or- Martin, would Chris Marf still be on the staff if he didn't get that job at Virginia Tech? I don't know. So it's it's something that I need to kind of go back and look. Is this out of character for him, or is this kind of a pattern that's just starting to be exacerbated because now instead of having success, you're having failure?
0: What's up, guys? Drake here. Sorry to come barging in again on the interview, but we will be remiss here at Locked On Seminoles if we can just talk about our friends over at bellline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Line remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. This weekend, put some money on the, ga- on the championship games, whether it be AFC or NFC. NHL's in full swing. We got the All-Star break coming up the NBA, so you know I'm going to be taking some of those odds in a dunk contest. So head over to BetOnline today and use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N when you sign up. To get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again promo Coach Locked On, L O C K E D O N, online where the game starts. And folks, once you're done making your plays for the weekend on Boundline.ag, head on over and download the Get Upside app. This is an incredible app for everyone who buys gas that needs they need to know about. Get Upside has been earning myself, Dave Max, Holly, Stacy, and everyone we know. Cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up. Cash back immediately. If you receive that cash, either sent to your bank account, PayPal, or even an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands, just download the free Get Outside app, use the promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, today on your first tank. And you know what? You'll thank us later. I kind of do want to ask about that, actually, because, like, with the coaching staff as a whole, I mean, I've been the one that's basically been saying, like, for Adam Fuller, he needs to show me something this entire year. And then he actually was the one position group overall. His defense was stellar for the majority of the season. So I kind of want to ask you about Adam Fuller. Has he been able to somewhat, I guess, buy himself some more time with the season he's had? Or do you simply think that he's kind of, like you're saying with, you know, how Mike doesn't like to fire or move on from coordinators you think simply that's just the best option that he has right now?
2: Uh, I don't – I mean, clearly, if you watch the 2021 season, the defense wasn't the problem. Now, there were times where the defense, like at the end of Jacksonville State, that's, to me, that's and to some people, that's a fireball offense in and of itself, and it's hard for me to argue against that. But if you look at the totality of the season, Adam Fuller's defense wasn't the problem. It was uneven, and that's because you had a big – Two man size gap in the middle where your linebackers are supposed to be. Now, Kalen DeLoach <laughs> is somebody that actually developed and turned into a competent football player, which we haven't had at linebacker in a long time. So, but Adam, but then, Adam Fuller, but, but that, Adam but then Fuller, why
0: why do you like ask Randy Shannon to be co, co DC if you have the full faith in then coming in next year? That's kind of my point.
2: The Co DC was just, I, I, that's a title and name only, like just to, just to justify giving the guy more money as like a former head coach Then, like the, you're seeing a lot of that now, pass game coordinator, this running game coordinator, that like towel bleaching coordinator. It's all, it's all semantic games to get the guy more money. And I think that Adam Fuller and Randy Shannon do work together. And if you have an old, if you had like an old head coach on your staff, you're going to ask him for like opinion, right? It's all collaborative process anyway. So to me, that's not like, Like, Adam Fuller's not coordinating first and second down, and Randy's not calling the plays on third down. He's the linebacker's coach. He's the South Florida guy, and he works well with Adam, so they'll help, like, game plan. But it's it's to me, it's not anything more than that. It's just you can have a problem with the the hire kind of being, you know, internal hire being an uninspired hire. I understand that. But as far as, like, the actual title, I I wouldn't get too caught up in that in my opinion now. Is it something to where you, you see like a like the Jim Levitt Harlan Barnett thing? I don't think that that's gonna happen. That was that was a real weird deal. That was a real weird deal when that went down. That whole thing but, um, made no sense.
0: That was so funny.
2: Well, uh, it made sense because Taggart wanted Levitt off the off the rip and tried to make poor Harlan Barnett run a defense that he <laughs> never ran or liked in his entire life. That's just a weird ass deal. But um, no, as far as like Adam Fuller, he's. He, I'm, I'm a push on him. I've seen schematically on the triple option. I've seen some things that I like now. He seems he's going to have a less talented defensive front, particularly on the bookends interior is going to be nice, um, but he's going to have a more balanced defense overall. He's going to have more tools to work with. So it will be interesting to see if he's going to do a lot of the stuff that he did at Marshall and Memphis, a little bit more aggressive on the blitz scheme. He was a big fan of kind of, um, I don't want to say like trickery, but maybe just like subterfuge in the backfield coming out and presenting one coverage to a defense and then kind of doing post snap, doing something else. More confusing stuff. It was all a lot of vanilla, vanilla coverages and fronts, mostly from this year, because that's all that our guys could really understand. I'll be interested to see if this defense looks more like what um like what he was known for and a short career as a DC, but as far as his record of improvement, if you're looking at S P plus at what he did at Marshall and Memphis, like he had a, well, I now, liked his track now, record coming State, in. I mean,
1: you look at, you look at your last year to this year and, and they improved immensely, but I think to your point, right next year, you will not hear from me or hopefully not from like Brennan Sinone, right? Like we are the two guys I feel like that you see out there where it's like, we will find every metric of like where we've improved and really do this, you know, him over at two, four, seven. You guys are fine. numbers guys, man. We are, right, but, yeah. but, but, I, but, but agreeing with the group, you're like next year, I really don't care. If you win five, if he wins five games, I'm, I'm unfortunately not going to be able to sit there and do that exercise of like, well, maybe you won't have so, to. Maybe yeah, you won't have to because his
2: tenure is effectively going to be over. Like I said, I'm more of a, I'm not just a, I'm I'm usually not like a hard wins guy, and I'm not like let's say he wins six, but like you get one over Clemson and you got jobbed out a couple of the games. Yeah. To me, there's not like a win total in my mind that I'm. He needs to win however many games that he can sell to the fan base recruits and other coaches that he's going to be here for a while. So if that's six, get six. If you need seven to sell that, get seven. If you're really in a bind and and your perception's really garbage and you need eight, you got to win eight. He's got to win whatever it's going to take for him to win to sell a story.
0: And folks, that is all the time that we have for today for the State of the FS Union. This was part one of our two-part interview with Mr. Trey Rowland. Trey will come on tomorrow on Friday to discuss everything else. We discuss a little more personal stuff. We discuss how it feels about the quarterback room, the transfers as a whole. We get a little more fun, and also we kind of ask which FSU players that he actually probably could take in a wrestling match. But, folks, thank you all so much for your love and support. We get to do this each and every single day because of you, the listener, you guys supporting us. And as always, you know, it's a great time being on here talking football with good friends of mine and also making friends along the way across the FSU beat. Now, don't forget, give us to the- Five-star review, either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. And as always, head over to YouTube, like this video, hit the subscribe banner up at the top as well, and ding the little bell because you will know immediately when you hit that when each of our new content drops. For Trey, Max, Dave, and myself, we'll see you all tomorrow on Lock on Seminoles. Take care, everybody.